Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 45 of the Filmed Live Musicals podcast. I'm your host, Louisa Lyons, and my guests today are Kit Goldstein-Grant and Kenny Malone. Kit is a musical theatre composer, lyricist, librettist, and teaching artist whose work has been performed in South Africa and the U.S. She is the founder of Paper Kite Arts and a founding member of New York City's Composers Collective. Kenny Malone is an award-winning correspondent for NPR's Planet Money, a podcast dedicated to explaining the economy. Planet Money Buys a Superhero is a five-part experiment in superhero economics that dives into the world of superhero rights ownership, public domain, and licensing. Microface has gone on to inspire the creation of a comic book, soda and Gouda cheese labels, films, and now a musical. Microface the Musical was performed in concert at Roulette in Brooklyn, New York on May 10th as part of a special recorded live episode of Planet Money hosted by Kenny Malone and Robert Smith. Welcome, Kenny and Kit. Thank you. Nice to be here. Delighted to bring you here to talk about this very special and unique project. So to start us off, Kenny, can you tell us a bit more about Planet Money by the Superhero? Sure. So Planet Money is a show that has a, a bit of a history of these kind of throw ourselves into an area to try and understand it. So we've bought barrels of oil to try and understand oil markets. We launched a satellite to understand the commercialization of space. And it, it was dawning on us right around the time like Avengers Endgame had become the biggest movie ever. And like you look did a rundown of the top 10 movies. It was like superhero, superhero, superhero. It was dawning on us that like superhero intellectual property had become its own kind of economy or force in the economy. And in order to understand that, we we devised this project where we would try to buy one of Marvel's superheroes. They have like 7,000 characters and we, we surmise that they don't need all of them. And certainly some are kind of crappy anyway. We failed to buy one of them. They, they did not let us. And then we went, sort of dumpster diving through the the annals of superhero history and saw what was what had fallen into the public domain because superheroes like everything else eventually fall into the public domain and uh, that is where we found this bonkers character from 1943 with sonic superpowers he was wearing a microphone mask and his name was microface though his though his face was normal sized uh, he, he has a microphone on his face that's the thing it was very confusing. Absolutely perfect for a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very ahead of its time. Although, also not because radios are a thing. <laughs> we, we, did, we did, in fact, identify with, with this character as perhaps the first podcaster. Who knows? Hard, hard to prove. But he was a podcaster before his time, for sure. I love that. And how, where does Kit come into the picture? How does, the, how does a musical come about of microphase? <laughs> So one, one of the things we wanted to explore in addition to just intellectual property in general was the, what you do once you have intellectual property. So once we had kind of like spun our version of Microface by making a comic book, we we created a, a version of this public domain character that Planet Money could own. We, we were like, all right, I think this is where we license, right? Like this is where licensing happens. I don't know. And so we, we did a, just a call out and we were like, do you want to license Microface for, I don't know, an action figure, uh, this, that. Uh, we jokingly were like a Broadway musical because 
it is our Robert Smith's and my favorite form of entertainment and, and art. We did not think anyone would actually take us up on that. And then we we got a bunch of responses and like buried in the bottom of the pile. True, truly like this was given to us by someone who was sifting through the email on like the day we were about to like interview people. The the person was like, oh by the way, you did get this like this thing with an attachment. It it's like a it seems to be some kind of a, a demo or something. And in fact, here was this person who had written a demo song for a microface musical. And we were just like, what? This is better than we could have ever imagined. The song was so good. And so, of course, we immediately emailed Kit. <laughs> Julie Tamar, step aside. It is no longer a Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. It is Microface the Musical, hopefully with much less injury involved. Fewer, and much... fewer people fell. Fewer people yes. fell from the roof, I can tell you that. Yes. So, Kit, had you been listening to Planet Money and learning about Microface? I had. I've been listening to Planet Money for years. I'm a fan of Planet Money. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And so I had been listening to, I listened to the series. And when they got to this part, I was just instantly like, well, of course, here's the song that I will write. So, yeah, so I was out pushing the stroller with my son, who was about in the one-year-old-ish range then. I guess he would be one and a half then. And so, you know, he was at that age. Some You could push him around in the stroller while he took a nap and while you made up a song in your head. And that was a very convenient age. So, yeah, so I, you know, worked out the song and then sent them a note when I got home. And, yeah, and the rest was history. I can whisper softly and you hear it all around. I can play a bass that rumbles, rumbles through the ground. So they had me on their Shark Tank edition of Planet Money, where people pitched different ideas for shows. And of course, my thing was slightly different than the general licensing scheme of I come in and license your thing. This was more like, well, I will write this musical, which then basically you'll produce. So basically, I will license from you the character to write this, and then you can license the musical from me to produce it, if that makes sense. So it was kind of a whole licensing circle going on there. Yeah, licensing loop, if you will. Yes. <laughs> the way exactly. the best uh, intellectual property works, right? Yeah, that's right. In a in a Gordian knot, it ties itself. Yeah. That's right. But I was just so fascinated when I heard about this character because he's got he's so likable and he's so odd. Like he has these unusual powers. He's not your normal superhero, but also the way that Planet Money reinvented him, especially he is a radio reporter. And so you're able to sort of combine all of those things together. And it, it's just like a, a wonderful, goofy character, basically, who's really fun to write songs for. Lucy, do we, do we need to run down Microface's superpowers for you? Should we, oh, should yes, we do that? please. Go all right. It. All right. Let's Kit, let's see. Let's see how many we could name off here. Okay. So first of all, microphone mask, right? Micro mask uh, can project his voice all over the place, can change his voice, can disguise it and make it sound like, you know, the police are coming when they're not. That's a big one. Mm, photoelectric vision. He can see almost every, any, through almost anything. That's through phrase, almost right? anything. It says through it's very specific. Anything. It says through almost <laughs> anything. It does not specify through what he cannot see, but there's something. It's a good little dramatic, uh, I guess, hole there. Super hearing, like he can, he can hear like from far away. He can hear through things. So the hearing, the hearing is very good. He can make very loud noises, as with everything else uh, microphone related. He can like blast people with a big blast of sound and knock them over. Now that we did add, I will say we <laughs> added the percussive abilities in the update of the character. My my personal favorite old school microface superpower is 
he does appear to have like little <laughs> like little wires that will come out of his face with old school alligator clips, like little audio alligator clips. And so he could just like patch into a phone line and make a phone call. So there's like a lot of that going on in the comic book, which is very funny. Uh, we, we went ahead and didn't worry about that one in the, on the updated no, version. That didn't make it through. Okay, now I'm curious how contemporary is Microface's microphone? Like, does it have a loop pedal? Can, like, is there reverb? Like, what kind of effects are we? (laughs) We, none of this is canon. So if you are interested in that, like, you know, if the price is right, I guess this is all part of our IP experiment. You can pay us to add (laughs) effects, maybe. I don't know. We we don't know. Uh, He does a lot of effects, though. So I I would say pretty up to date. There's not a pedal per se, but yeah, he's doing a lot of stuff. For yeah, sure. he definitely does a lot of panning, um, is a big thing where he's uh, got his voice coming in from different areas of yeah. the room. That's like a, yeah. a big skill that he definitely has. I don't know about the loop pedal, though. Yeah, looping, <laughs> looping unclear. unclear. Yeah, unclear. That, that would be an interesting concept. Yeah. Having just watched Islander very recently, a musical mm-hmm. that uses almost all looping as its like world, mm-hmm. uh, That that's sitting on my brain as a concept. <laughs> <laughs> Having just gone through tech on a musical, I'm really glad the whole thing was not looped. Really glad. <laughs> Especially for a one-night event, yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that would have been lots of work, yes. So much work for one night. When you So at what point did you, you – so you sent in the demo and uh, yeah. the show decided to pick up the piece? Yeah, so basically um, Robert and Kenny were really excited about the idea and gave me kind of the – I guess you went back to your bosses to talk about it and talk to make sure everybody at Planet Money was on board, if I remember correctly. And I think it was probably the game. lawyers we went to. to yeah, it was the you. lawyers, like, probably. Is, is, there, how, is there a way a contract works? Yes. Uh, and they were like, probably. Um, right. And so we're like, okay, this counts. Great. <laughs> yes. And so basically I got to go ahead to develop this show. And I was pitching it as mostly as a podcast musical that would be a short show about 30 minutes long. I think it might've wound up 35. I'm not sure. I heard the recording. I was like, hmm, I might've gone a little over there, but um, pitching it as a 30 minute, 30 minute piece that could be played as a podcast as well as could be performed live. So I wound up writing a piece that, um, you know, has, full stage directions, but also has a ton of audio effects to help with it being comprehensible by audio only. So yeah. And then, so I developed that in the, I guess it was last summer. And then um, we were originally aiming to do this in the fall, but then of course COVID COVID complications pushed it off till spring, but look, now now we did it. (laughs) So it all worked out. We did. I will say after it got, (laughs) after it got canceled in the fall, uh, Kit, Kit came to a Comic Con, a New York Comic Con panel with us, and we just like we just at the end of a presentation of like some new songs, I just like put on the board. I was like, "Coming spring 2022," and our boss was in my boss was in the audience, and I was like, "Huh, huh? spring 2022?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And uh, <laughs> I think that was the first time we like kind of announced that it was going to be done again. It was with a a very public question to my boss, and he was like, yes. "Sure, we'll we'll shoot for it." <laughs> yeah, and... nothing better than getting holding people accountable by doing it out in the real world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we set it up to be this live Planet Money event that was part Planet Money podcast and then part musical done as a staged reading and recorded for podcast. Yes. And so you mentioned that it's like written with like stage directions and such. Is this a show, speaking of the licensing loop, that could go forward and be performed on its own as a fully staged musical? 
Absolutely. And if we have any licensing companies listening, please give me a call. <laughs> My website is kitgoldstein.com. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. Kit needs to give me a call yes, because this, exactly. this may be future content for this for our for a content mill. Yes. <laughs> exactly. We go back to the licensing loop where then I go back to NPR and I'm like, hey, could we do this thing? And then NPR is like, that would be fun. And then we do a thing. So, you know, it's all all in our licensing loop here. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. We need to license licensing loop because <laughs> this is going to be a thing. Trademark that. That's a good trademark yeah. to have. Yes. That's right. Uh, so Kit, I want to touch a little bit on the, the workshop process or the development process of creating the show. Could you mm-hmm. speak a little more about that? Absolutely. So, um, so there was basically already a comic book that was intended to exist about Microface, a new comic book, which is a whole other story. I'll let Kenny go into. What, what has just happened is Kit has been very kind. It took we we wrote the story and it took forever to make the comic book. It became a whole thing, and there's a whole episode of our show that is actually the sixth part of the series. By the way, is like there is a sixth part, and it's that the comic uh, book took forever. But that's what Kit's saying. <laughs> yes, but the good thing was that the story was written and the basic um, the basics of the whole thing were already there. It just wasn't turned into a comic book yet. So they let me see what was going to be the comic book so that I knew what sort of existed canon wise already, because they gave me the license to not to actually use the same story and directly adapt the comic book, but to come up with my own story, which was really wonderful so that I could use what existed and then sort of leap off from there. And um, of course I came up with a very economic uh, economics themed story to go with this as would be appropriate Ep- economics and podcasting themed story, I guess. Um, so yeah, so I, I came up with a story and then Kenny and I, you know, I kept, Kenny was very in the loop about whatever I was doing so that I wouldn't like show up with the totally wrong, <laughs> totally wrong idea and be like, Oh yeah, this is what microface does now. And he was like, he would be like, what are you talking about? That's not microface. So yeah. So we were, we were, we were pretty in touch while I was working on the ideas for it. And then, um, yeah, I guess, uh, then I wrote it and we didn't even do a stage reading and went directly to this, uh, to this level. We didn't do like, you know, we didn't do the sort of musical development process. We didn't do like the whole table read or staged reading. And it was wonderful. I loved it so much. (laughs) Yeah. Why why belabor it when it's clearly gold, right? Right. Just go, go straight to the good. Yeah, something that's good about doing a shorter show is you do have fewer opportunities to screw it up. So with like a two and a half hour show, I do dearly love, you know, staged readings and like a, a longer developmental process. But with a short show like this, you don't have you don't have a lot of side stuff going on. You know, you don't have like trying to figure out, oh, did that side character get enough time or whatever? You don't have all the same sort of concerns as a two and a half hour show. And having been through sort of the 10 year developmental process for musicals for plenty of my things, I really love being able to just sort of, you know, make something that felt like it worked and then go do it. So yeah, it was awesome. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool to like have a, like a, a, a micro process. Yes. I should you say. Will. You mean yes. a microphone process? Is that what you mean by micro in this case? I should say there was feedback. Like Kenny and I definitely went through the script and tried to like clear, make sure everything would be clear for podcasts. There was definitely like Robert Smith gave us some notes about like, is that thing theoretically possible? I talked to a couple people about like programming because programming's involved and about audio, uh, you know, audio broadcasting technical stuff. So it, it wasn't just like straight from first draft onto, onto stage. <laughs> just to clarify that we we were we were definitely like i mean a little bit of the planet money editorial process came in because it's you know we we're hoping it will function oh, this is an experiment for all of us um because 
we need this to work as a podcast. Like we need this to be able to, we need this to read uh, audio only. And so, and so a lot of like, there weren't a ton of notes for kit in terms of like, like, I don't know anything about music. So none of those were the notes, but it was just sort of like, based on our experience doing podcasts for a really long time, I think people might get a little confused with this idea, uh, especially since there were some economics ideas in there. It really did like our role was sort of just like, what we do every day, which is sit in on a script read and be like, I was a little confused here based on my experience doing this. I think you could tweak this, this, and this, maybe signpost this a little bit more, maybe just say this an extra two times and people will follow it. So that really was all I did was I was a dumb (laughs) listener who said, I was confused here. Make me unconfused. So everything else is, everything else is kit. Oh, and I love how that collaborative that process is and how it speaks to the storytelling aspect of podcasting and especially what Planet Money does and what NPR does is storytelling and what is theater but storytelling (laughs) on stage. And uh, so that's a really uh, a cool way for those two art forms to blend and for you both to collaborate. So had you started rehearsals for the fall presentation or was that scuttled like long before it could even get to the stage it got scuttled before we had to rehearsals which was fortunate yeah before we had a venue booked or anything so that was actually kind of great that we didn't um that we didn't get far in beyond like general planning um yeah there were like and then, meetings and then there were unmeetings where it's like <laughs> we're gonna do this and then like two meetings later we should probably not do this we're like, yeah, probably right. <laughs> that's about as far as it went yes yes oh. The so. fall was such a brutal time. <laughs> the, like, are we through this? No, we're not quite through this yet. No, sure. And even spring, we're not quite <laughs> through this yet. Uh, so let's fast forward to the spring. And uh, what was the rehearsal period leading up to this one night event? Um, we had about two weeks, I believe, of rehearsals. You know, we only had about four rehearsals and then tech and then the performance. I'm sorry, that's my toddler shouting outside my door. It's part of the podcast now. Part of the podcast. Part of the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, We're all in our closets. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So the rehearsal process, uh, yeah, we had about two weeks, uh, about four rehearsals, and then a, a separate band rehearsal, and then um, a, a tech, and then um, and then we went for it. So it was pretty fast. Um we were definitely, we only had about what, like five or six weeks, like notice on this whole thing that we were going ahead with it. So yeah. it, <laughs> it, it was kind there, of an extremely fast time. Yeah. There, there was a weird thing where it was like, things seemed to be getting better and, and it looked like the comic book was finally going to come out. And, and so, and so reasonably my boss was like it probably would make sense to do the musical in conjunction with the comic book coming out because of the momentum because we will planet money will do an episode about the comic book and, and why it took so long and uh and then that that certainly could could help create some momentum for the musical but i do remember very very specifically like event planner types at npr asking kit things like so what's like the minimum you need? Like, what's really the minimum amount of time you need? And I was the whole time I was in those meetings thinking like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> and I believe my answer was usually, I would like three months, but if you give me yeah. less, I'm going to do it in less. <laughs> so, and um, unfortunately also fell right when I was committed. I also teach a lot and uh, teach writing musicals to students in elementary schools. I work with the New York City Children's Theater and the Metropolitan Opera Guild on opera, um, working with opera with kids. And um, 
I also run my own company, Paper Kite Arts. And so, yes, I was very committed at the moment to many, many teaching programs. And so this whole thing has been a, was a little bit of a juggle, but we made it. <laughs> and uh, my teaching program is not too angry at me. No, actually, they were super supportive. Actually, one of the people I work with at the teaching program um, was there doing front of house, actually. So talk about supportive. Um, very supportive. Thank you, New York City Children's Theater. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the casting process? Um, it was largely like people I know or can get a hold of in some way or somebody else <laughs> I know can recommend me in some way. So it was definitely like me sending a list of names to Kenny for every role and saying, here's like, here's a bunch of ideas. Tell me your thoughts. And then Kenny writing back to me say, all these people are insanely talented. They're all How so good. I'm pick? like, well, I don't know. Kids. Like <laughs> all of these people are amazing. It's New York theater people. Like what do you want from me? Like they're all very good. <laughs> yes. And I mean, we did definitely have like um, an actress who unfortunately had to drop out due to some problems and, you know, which was very sad, but um, we love her very much. And um, so we did have some scrambles at the last second, but um but yeah, we found people and they were awesome. So that was good. <laughs> I did. I did ask. Uh, so our lead, our lead actor who played um, uh, Sam Salazar, AKA Microface uh, is, is an actor named uh, Sebastian Trevino. And I did ask him before this interview, just like, what were you thinking when you got this email from Kit Goldstein Grant that just said like Microface podcast musical uh, and he, he did record his answer for us. I don't know if we can play that. Would that be possible? Sure. Here we go. Honestly, when I read her email, I had no clue what she was talking about. I'm like, listen, I don't understand what this is. Musical podcast, NPR, Planet Money. I have never heard of it. <laughs> but hey, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was definitely somebody I hadn't met who was recommended by the music, our music director, who, um, who I should mention, Jonathan Lynch, who is a Planet Money listener and was an amazing music director. So it all worked out very nicely there. And he recommended Sebastian to us, which was great. And what uh, instruments were involved? Um, we did um, piano, uh, bass, um, guitar, and percussion. Piano, bass, guitar, percussion. Yeah. For which, Kit, you also did the orchestration, right? I did. There were a lot of slashes. The drummer can tell you that. But yes, I did the orchestration. And Jonathan um, Jonathan actually did the copying work for me because I was super stressed out. I was like, I have too much to do. And please, Jonathan, help me. Please help me and make it look okay for somebody to read this. So he <laughs> wonderfully stepped up and did that for me. Um, but yeah. Really, and who else was in your cast? So, um, Kenny mentioned uh, Sebastian Trevino. Who else was in the cast? Um, I'm going to pull up our cast list to make sure I don't forget anybody. Mukta, sure. who I'm going to say, I realize now I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Is it Fatak? I think P H A T A K. I'm going to spell it in case I'm pronouncing it wrong because I will be so sorry. <laughs> but she was wonderful. She was Amina, one of the leads, and. Um, now you're going to find out how I never said anybody's last names <laughs> or, or ask them how to pronounce them. It's all very familiar. It's a big family, <laughs> one big micro exactly. family. Exactly. Why I'm use gonna, last names? Um, so Christopher Michaels was our villain. I've worked with Christopher Michaels on a huge number of projects over the years. Um, he's directed separate. He directed a show I did at um, 
Theater Row, uh, The Giant Hoax, uh, in 2019. And um, he's also performed in many, many of my shows. And so I was delighted to work with him again. And who else was in it? Um, and so for, um, oh, t- uh, Tiffany, who is like the villain sidekick, was played by Jillian Lewis, who's another, like, she's fantastic. She was in Broadway, uh, um, on Broadway in It Should Have Been You, which was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's also taught with me at Paper Kite Arts, and we've worked together several times before, and she's wonderful. And a person who I'd never worked with before, who was just delightful to meet, um, who uh, I'm going to mess up her last name. I'm going to try it. Um, Johanna Carlisle Zepeda. I hope I'm saying that right. And she was actually here to do Americano off Broadway right now and um, is not normally in New York. And we were just lucky to find her because she was like our ideal um, computer programmer for this this show and sang kind of, uh, what, what do you call that? The, the hit song of the show, um, not the hit song, uh, basically the hit song in the show <laughs> certainly um, certainly got the ravest reviews from from people i talked to yes a showstopper that's the word saying showstopper, a showstopper sure. um about uh yeah about the programming language cobol um so yes um standard and, standard stuff standard <laughs> musical fair you know standard yeah. musical theater type song and then we had um for our swings and ensemble we had Luis. Uh, Luis Chino Ramos, who was amazing. And um, we had Yamina Melith, I believe her last, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name yet again, but I got her first name, which is Yamina. Uh, Yamina Melith, who was our other understudy and ensemble member. So they were both amazing as well. And uh, she stepped in at the last second and saved our bacon. So I I highly appreciate that. And Kenny, this was Planet Money's first live show in a decade. What were the challenges for doing a live show uh, and and, pu- and dr- putting a sh- on a show during COVID? Yeah, I mean, obviously the big one is uh, making sure that everybody is safe and following protocols uh, to keep everyone safe. And so we implemented a pretty rigorous testing and masking requirement for everything leading up to performance. Um, And then for day of performance, anybody, I mean, everyone tested again and was masked when they were not performing. Um, So just following as many of those as we possibly could um, and really building as safe of an atmosphere as as we could, because like, it's very fun to do a live show, uh, but we certainly do not need to do this live show. And so we want to to make, make sure everyone was safe, that we weren't being sort of careless there. Um, and then in addition to that, it was that we, you know, had five weeks. Uh, so, <laughs> like, it's, it's a challenge. You know, NPR has never staged a musical before. And so the evening was really split into two parts. It was, like, going to be this live podcast that we were going to tape. Um, and in theory, we make podcasts all the time. It really shouldn't be too hard, I guess. But, like, figuring out what's going to play live and and including some visuals is a little tricky. Um, and then figuring out like, will those visuals then ruin the audio version? Cause jokes only landed because they saw a visual. Um, that is something I will admit I am going through right now and trying to figure out. It's like, what stuff do we need to like explain or how, how is this going to work exactly? How much crowd do you need? I listened to a first cut where someone had muted the crowd track and I was like, well, this is unusable. And then I listened back with the crowd track. I was like, oh, thank God. Like, it's just totally different experience. And I kept thinking about Howard Dean when he like 
like was you know uh, pilloried for that weird moment where he's like Woo! and the story the story goes that what really was happening was the crowd was really loud but you couldn't hear the crowd on his mic so he just sounds like a like a bananas person and so that was the effect for sure and we just need to get the mix like what's clear is we're going to have to get the mix right and this is something we never think about when we're making a podcast is like how much audience uh, uh how much should you hear the space how much should you do like that stuff's going to be very interesting to play with and i'm very excited to do it um so I suppose that's a challenge after the fact, but leading up to it is just mostly sprinting. And I, uh, this is probably very confusing, but I had to make a lot of special comic books that we're selling along with tickets. And I had to personally hand make all of them, which was a dumb thing I signed up to do and I shouldn't have probably. And so that was like a lot of work. And so I, I bought a little (laughs) cricket cutter and I was running it like 24 seven making weird things. And, uh, it was all a lot. So uh, that's my favorite. Yeah. Yes. That sounds like a, a DIY, like, uh, you know, community theater at its best kind of mode. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was actually funny for me because I do a lot of like sort of indie indie theater in New York as well as doing other things as well. But for this one where I'm sort of like, you know, it tends to be that if I'm sort of producing something, then it's very indie indie. And if somebody else is producing it, it's less indie, right? And in this case, it's NPR was the producer, but I was the artistic producer, meaning I was getting the show together, which gave me the whole indie indie feelings. Yeah, it's just like a different, um, it was it was really wonderful. It was really wonderful. And it was really fun to be have so much like artistic sort of control over it without, um, without having to to be completely like fundraising and everything as well. So that was great. Um, Just get to put together like a really cool team of people and you know, get to get to yeah i also want to mention uh blue zephra who was our stage manager and also is a covid compliance officer so in terms of getting something actually onto the stage um they were completely essential to that process so i just wanted to throw out a little thank you there everyone was watching the show on the stage but i was watching blue and that was the greatest show happening in (laughs) new york city that night was blue managing this thing um, Blue Kit very kindly wrote in a lot of cameos for Planet Money folks, um, and we just knew early on that it was going to be way too complicated to bring everybody into rehearsals for like one line. And so the marching order was like, we need a situation where like kind of the stage manager just is managing all of the cameos. Like you need to be here, you need to go, go say your line and back. And so Blue did that plus like everything else, and it was it was incredible. Like I, it was incredible. One of the most amazing things I've ever seen. This is one of my wishes for when we film live theater, that we have a separate cam on the stage manager and that we get to watch a stage manager call a show. Because like you said, it is, it is its own show and it is magical to watch. And these people are superhuman, speaking of superheroes. Yes, yes. absolutely. Real life superheroes who wear mics on their face. I couldn't help. Oh, that's true. <laughs> not, not at this one. We didn't yeah, have the budget not... for that. So, sorry. <laughs> but yeah. The true microface. Um, and speaking of COVID officers, Kit, you unfortunately tested positive the day before the show. Can you tell us what <laughs> happened there? Yes, that was a pretty major bummer. I was just testing myself like we did rapid tests at every rehearsal at the beginning. And this, I you know because I was so distracted at rehearsal, I had so many things to do. I thought, oh, I'll just test myself before I go because then I can take a picture to show and, you know, not have to deal with that at the beginning of rehearsal. And there was the little pink line. And so, of course, I went and did another one right away. Like, oh, my God, I hope that's wrong. And it wasn't. 
wasn't. And false then, positive, false positive. Yeah, no, it wasn't. So I went, uh, I wound up actually, that was like, I was going to go kind of early to rehearsal. So that was good because that gave me time to go get like a rapid PCR, um, an expedited PCR test and then get back home in time to be on Zoom for the dress rehearsal. And luckily, Kenny was there for the dress rehearsal. Um, he had come up to town already. So I was like nonstop texting with Kenny and uh, Blue, our stage manager, and Jonathan, our music director, to sort of check in on everything. And they were nice and wrote me back um, <laughs> so that I could make sure things. But by that point, the good thing was I'm the writer. And the writer is not actually super essential to the show. By that point, and by dress rehearsal time, like we've already had the band rehearsal. We've already cleared up like composer questions. We still had a couple of composer things I needed to do. So like a couple of orchestrations I messed up that I needed to fix. <laughs> so, so, But we were able to do that. Like I was able to listen to that on Zoom and text Kenny to be like, how did that sound? And then text Jonathan to be like, oh, now change that. So we were able to fix those last minute things uh, by Zoom. And um, yeah, and then I just, uh, I managed to watch the show through Zoom as well. And luckily, as I said, at that point, luckily, Blue was totally on top of the sort of what was happening day of. So the director was kind of like not as essential as I would have been if they were not so on top of things. And Jonathan, our music director was also just pretty on top of stuff by that point. So everything was able to go smoothly and I was able to watch on zoom. <laughs> and I, I do want to say, stopped. like, being, <laughs> but it was great. <laughs> being in the room and having Kit like text me these things that I'm completely unqualified to like answer. I got this very strange, like inside, like look into her brain. So I would get, like, here's some, I pulled up the text feed from those days and it's stuff like, can you tell if someone is switching between the glockenspiel, the high belly sounding xylophony thing? Is it messier than other songs? And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, Kit. Like, I'm sorry. I'm trying. But um, you did know. And, then she's worried. and, and that's I, how we fixed it. I'm getting these messages like, oh no, I forgot. I was supposed to bring the clothes steamer. Someone will have to, I can give it to someone. I'm like, it's okay. Like he's, this was for like, this is for a Leeds shirt. And I was like, he's a reporter. Like it's probably going to be wrinkled anyway. He's a reporter in the show. Like it's fine. But yes, she, she could not leave any of the detail. Like she was managing it incredibly. Yes. From I home. Did, it was amazing. I did, I did wind up getting sort of symptomatic by the later in that day, I was starting to cough. And then by the next day I was symptomatic. So by the next day I felt bad enough that I was kind of glad to not be at the theater. I was like, okay, I'm clearly sick. It's okay. I'm home because the first day I was like I feel fine I'm angry I want to be a rehearsal <laughs> but not of course angry. but luckily I mean we did have very good COVID protocols and I don't believe um you know everybody else was fine which was great and um so that was that was really reassuring that, yep. yeah so yeah that was the experience okay. of watching it on zoom <laughs> oh. And, you know, as much as I, I hate that COVID happened at all, but how lucky we were that it happened in this day and age of technology and Zoom and text and like it's very easy to communicate with people in a way that we've never been able to. Absolutely. The, Absolutely. the musicals about superheroes staged during the 1918 pandemic really would have been hard, hard to do. <laughs> I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the 1918 pandemic, flu pandemic, very different to the 2020 yes. <laughs> COVID yes. superhero musicals. Yes. Uh, so, Kenny, what, tell us about the, the night itself at Roulette in Brooklyn. Uh, it was, you know, we, we didn't get this theater until about, I forget the exact time, but it was like three o'clock and the show show was at eight. So the load in was fast and, um, it, 
sound checks needed to be really quick. Uh, it, it really looked like uh, like a, a hill of army ants just like marching around. And I mean, by this point, I, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I, I really am mostly watching sort of Blue just organize the thing and Jonathan run run things and the tech rehearsals. Now, most of the Planet Money team had not sat in on any of the songs. And so there was this, there was this funny moment where they all came in at their call about five o'clock and, and the cast was on stage and they happened to be singing like the most on the nose moment in the entire show where they're just saying micro, micro, micro face, micro, micro, micro face. And so Planet Money walks in, they're like, what is this that we're like, <laughs> in? like, they don't know the plot of the show and they just see people singing like the most micro facey thing. It was amazing. And I could watch all their faces just like what's happening. But yeah. uh, it, they they each rehearsed their cameo. They got a sense of what the plot was and um, all of the other songs. And by the end, I think everybody had one of the like most surreal high nights of certainly of the last two years. Uh, it was incredible. And audiences were able to register to come and watch the live taping or live recording. Yeah, we sold out pretty quickly. We um, we sold tickets. I think we sold out in about a week, right, Kit? Is that mm, right? Six days. I kept track. Six, six days. There you go. <laughs> six days. Six yeah, days. that's yeah. right. So I can't remember the exact theater count. It's like somewhere between three and four hundred. It might be around four hundred. Um, yeah, it was around four hundred. Yep. Um, yep. It was around four hundred, and then we had like a couple of last second tickets. You know, people who also couldn't come for different reasons, and those went on sale, and those were gone by showtime as well. So. Yeah, it was a great, great crowd, as I could tell over Zoom. <laughs> it was a, it was a real the anecdotal reviews I've seen are glowing. Everybody had such a great time. It was a real home crowd for sure, which is great because I mean it was sold as a Planet Money event and a musical around a superhero. Um, I think I, I think our, one of our promos had advertised it as like the infinity gauntlet of joyous nerddom, like musical theater, economics, and microface. And it was just like, if, if you're into that, those three things, then like there isn't a place on earth on Tuesday night better than this. And um, I did, you know, it's funny. I asked, you know, again, like having talked to Sebastian Trevino about just the difference between performing rehearsals and, and live. Um, I just asked if anything had surprised him about performing in front of this, like this very this fan base in particular. And um, there's a second soundbite there if you want to play his response. I, I really liked it. There were so many things that landed when once we had the audience that I didn't even know or think that they were going to be funny. But since everyone in the in the crowd was so passionate about Planet Money, about Microface, um, there were jokes that they really got, you know, that it was for them. And I loved that. <laughs> and there was such a fun and easy crowd to please. And as an actor and performer, one loves that, you know, because sometimes you you do a show where like, damn, it's like you're pulling teeth from them from them to 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 get a laugh or just to even get some sort of gesture that tells us that they're enjoying the show and here it was just bliss all along and they were so happy to be there and enjoying every second of it and that makes our lives extremely extremely easy yeah, something that made me actually so happy with that was seeing the audience get because I, I am a Planet Money listener and I had lots of you know little references in there and you know economic little jokes in there and stuff and it was so delightful to see the like the audience really getting all of those moments 
and also listening so closely to the lyrics, which made me really happy because as lyricists, as you know, uh, if you are a musical people, like often the lyrics uh, are a little hard to understand or you miss things. And when, when you're a lyricist, like you care so much about every single word <laughs> and you're like, oh, I hope somebody gets my little, my little joke in there. So it was great to like see, you know, these great uh, audio engineers at NPR who did such a good job making it clear. And then also an audience who was actually like very much attuned to like listening for those specific lyrics was really, really delightful. Um, delightful. Yeah. I could see okay, it in the back this of sounds like a dream gig for a composer <laughs> lyricist and it should be the future of developing new musicals. <laughs> mm, yeah, let's do it. I love That's that interesting. Idea. I do like that. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was, it's really delightful. And I mean, as somebody who writes a lot of musicals that are so ephemeral, um, it can be really frustrating to do a great show and then um, have it just be gone. Um, so it's really wonderful to have something recorded like this for me. Um, and that doesn't just disappear into, into thin air after it's performed. And especially, I don't know if you know about like, um, there's a lot of like, equity, uh, you know, union rules about recording that often make it very difficult to record things or uh, cost prohibitive for certain productions. And so I actually wind up with very few recordings of my work, um, which and is... And not just audio, but film recordings. Film recordings as well, exactly. And so it's just like, it can be very, uh, very costly to make recordings. And so it's just kind of delightful for me to get to have like a high, you know, a wonderful high quality recording of this and have that be kind of the purpose is we are both doing a wonderful ephemeral one night only thing, but then we're also making this recording as well. So yeah, very wonderful. And speaking of, when will this uh, live episode be available? It's going to be split into two parts. So the first the first section that is functionally a podcast that was recorded, recorded in front of the crowd will be in the next few weeks from this recording. So we're looking at late May, maybe early June, but I think late May. Um, and we don't know exactly when we're going to release the musical yet. There's going to be a few factors, um, like when when we can get a proper engineer in to sort of mix it and when that time is available and when it makes the most sense to kind of put it down our feed and space out the microface content. We don't want to turn the Planet Money feed into an exclusively microface uh, channel. So um, so we're, we're still working on the exact release date, but certainly soon spring 2023 question no it's earlier than that. <laughs> um yes there's but, something very comic soon. book about that where like the the experiment that you have created is taking over your your feed <laughs> it is true it is definitely true. absolutely uh so to wrap us up i have a segment called my favorite things these are a few of my favorite things for order kit you can go first to start us off what is your favorite musical <sighs> oh, this is so hard. Um, okay. Okay. I totally can't pick my favorite musical, but I'm going to, I'm going to list one anyhow with a caveat that oh. I know I'm going to say one. It's just like that. I totally have so many that are my favorite. I'm going to go with ragtime right now because I love ragtime so much. And for some reason, like the Henry Ford song just popped in my head when you asked that question. So I'm going to go with ragtime right now, but there are so many. <laughs> I, I understand. Mine yeah. is changes depending on my mood, the day. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I would have a different answer for you probably like in an hour. So I'll probably call you up in the middle of the night and be like, no, it was no. this one. But I do love ragtime super much. Wonderful. Kenny, do you have a favorite musical? It's funny. The, f the favorite question is funny because I one time I forgot my password 
to buy treasury bonds as an experiment for work. I apparently already had an account to buy treasury bonds and I was doing it as an experiment for work. And the security question they asked me on the phone is what is your, what is your favorite movie? And I was like, uh, I don't remember. And so I guessed like four movies and I was like, I, I'm really curious. What is my favorite movie now? Like, what did I put? Um, it really does change all the time. My favorite musical, it, it, it goes back and forth. Like I, I, I love Les Mis. I'm a basic Les Mis person. I love Les Mis so much. Um, but I, I also love The Great Comet so much. I think The Great Comet is one of my <laughs> Kenny, favorite shows ever. I thought about um, answering both those things, I, just so you know. <laughs> I, Listeners can't see, I just, but she just I elevated love, out of her chair at that answer. <laughs> I love I love The Great Comet so much. And um, uh, yeah, it, it's. I, I guess the question for me is like, the only reason I don't say it immediately is because it's like, you know, Layman's been around for a long time. Like, will I still love the Great Comet in you know what thirty years? But the answer is almost certainly yes. I love it so much. Um, yeah. So those were yeah, both. That's my, that's my favorite. Let's say let's say the Great both Comet. Extremely love high it. on my list too. I grew up listening to Layman's, and it's like the standard, the, you know, best music. By the way, yeah. I got I got the old like the original Broadway cast vinyl, um, and all the songs don't fit on it, which is annoying. But there is so much synth in that original recording. I was like, wow, is this synthy? I did not. Like I did not expect it and was sort of delighted. I was like, this is really weird and really fun. Um, very synthy. Peak 80s orchestration. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite filmed live musical? So a musical that has been performed on stage and filmed on stage. Hmm. I always liked, I saw the Barnum um, film with, with uh, Michael, Michael Caine. Oh, Michael Crawford. Oh my God. I said Michael Caine. Yes. Michael Crawford. <laughs> yes. And I, I guess I'm having a hard time be, being sure if that's my favorite one, but it's definitely the one that just like pops into my head that I enjoyed watching super much. Um, I love that. That's a deep dive into the archive. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's yeah. been a couple of years, which is why I was like, I, I, you know, I should think a little harder, but that's so much popped into my head that I have to say it. I believe it's still it's available to stream on Amazon. This is this is a little bit of a weird answer, but like uh, it's not a full musical that's on that's readily available. But there is a clip from the David Letterman show that is that is the villain song from Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark that I watch all the time because it is so wild. Uh <laughs> And do you know the one I'm talking about where like the, the villains break into the, into the Ed Sullivan theater and it it's, I love it so much. It's so weird. And I, I wasn't around when that show was on. I never got to see it, but I really like, I really, I mean, it's pretty wild. And so is it my favorite? I don't know. I watch <laughs> it the most for sure. I certainly can't like stand by the quality of it, but I love that everyone's committed to it. And it is pretty fun to watch. Oh, there is like a um, whole research project I, for musicals performing on late night and early morning TV. Like the way that it has <laughs> uh, spread the brand of musical theater and like the, and like how yeah. Donald did a whole thing back in the day. Like there's and you know, historically musicals appearing on television as like hour long versions. And there's a whole like there's a whole yeah. bit of research to be done there. I don't. I don't know if that one helped musicals at all. Like, I feel like that is exactly what people think of when they think of musicals in not a good way. But it is just like I don't know. I, I can't get enough of it. It's I pretty mean, great. I certainly recommend. Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. It is, is one of my favorite is things. Quite an adventure of its own. <laughs> 
I mean, I just, a big swing is a big swing, and I, I just love it. <laughs> uh, so a filmed life musical isn't exactly a stage show, and it's not, not exactly a film, so what should we call them? Hmm. Mm. Not filmsical. I definitely don't like filmsical. <laughs> filmsical? I definitely don't like that. I said that, but I do not like it. Um, I should think about this. I'm actually hoping to make one in the next couple of years when somebody what, gives me yeah. all money for what it. Answers, <laughs> what answers have you gotten? What answers have you gotten on this? I'm all very kinds curious. of things. Um, pro shot. Um, pro well, shot. That, that's like, so that a, like a common term now for film, a professionally filmed stage show. It's like become common okay. violence. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on others. Um, uh, movie, uh, sorry, um, live movie, li- filmed live. Like there, yeah. This it's a tricky one because yeah. we don't have the language for it. Yet. Live to live film. What are what are? I don't even know. Like I, it feels so new to me. But clearly, your podcast demonstrates that it isn't. It's it's. I mean, everyone's talking about like it's the renaissance of filmed musicals and COVID because because all of these very expensive musicals mm. are being filmed. But clearly, that is that yeah. is not a new thing. I actually- so. Um, I actually worked with um, Apples and Oranges Arts. I don't know if you know them, but um, they do a program, an ex- a theater accelerator, it's called, where they work with um, musical writers to um, to uh, work on sort of uh, making their shows stronger and making working on their pitches as well. They have a Shark Tank-like thing, too, that I went on, um, where you pitch your show to, to producers. Um, and yeah, they're very interested in, they actually, this was pre-COVID, got really interested in filming musicals um, and worked with streaming musicals as well, that company as well, to, to to make these. So it got me really thinking at that point about, you know, that I would love to do one of these where it's filmed in a theater. And it's definitely now like a goal of mine to do with one of my shows, which I think would do really well with that. Um, my show, The Nose, in case anybody's listening and needs to give me a lot of money to do that. <laughs> it was very popular and there should be a film movie version of it, but a film on stage version would be great. Um, and it's like this. We just don't know what to call that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just need, I just need to get Whatever there. Whatever that's that. called. But yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess it's going to have to be filmsical, but I don't like it. I, filmsical, I'm not, I'm I really into like. It, but I'm going to have to go with that. <laughs> It's a tricky one, and yeah. I can't wait to have you back when when the nose is uh, <laughs> it's has become a film life musical. Thank you, thank um, you. Where do you stand on bootlegs? Hmm. Hmm. Like, how many <laughs> do we own personally? Like, where? Um, hmm. like, what, do uh, what, what do you? What do? You, what do you, do? You, should they be? Should they be allowed? Should they exist? I, should we watch them? Should we consume them? Should we ban them? Mm. I disapprove of them generally, except for that sometimes I make exceptions for academic purposes. So it is good. I want there to be something that people can watch to see a show. And like, if you're, you know, studying something, but that's why Lincoln Center's library of filmed things exists, which I think is great. I wish every show could have an official version so there wouldn't have to be bootlegs. And I'm really really wishing and I do know that that's a lot to do with uh union rules is why that it doesn't exist and so I I mean um that is something I would love 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 to be sort of like address more but following now we've all seen during COVID how much that people could really use that and I wish that could something that could be addressed in terms of making it um making it more doable in some way for producers to make the official version so yeah so we don't have to go have any bootlegs um (laughs) yeah I also have no time to ever watch anything on television so um, on, or on screen or whatever, because I have a toddler, so I don't watch any bootlegs. 
<laughs> that's helpful. Um, having zero time. So if I'm going to the theater, I'm going to have a babysitter and I'm going to go to the theater. <laughs> Kenny, let's start with you. Uh, what stage musicals do you wish had been filmed? I mean, the great, the great comment, I, I wish more than anything had been filmed. Mm. I mean, it makes me very sad. Um, I wish it was still running. I wish I could see it all the time. Uh, yeah, that's my, I mean, that's obviously my big one. Yeah. I second mm. that. Kit? I, I second that one actually as well. I loved that show. Um, <laughs> Would it work? Well, Would it work filmed though? So much of it yeah, is the, the immersion. immersion. I actually didn't see it on Broadway because I loved the immersion off Broadway, the tent that it was in. And so I didn't want to ruin my, I saw it twice off Broadway, which for me, that's a big deal because like I never have any time to see anything and seeing something twice. That was even pre-toddler. My life's always been like this. Um, so it was a big deal to see that twice. Um, but yeah, I, it would be hard. It would have to be filmed in some very specific way, which I do not want to be the director of. Maybe yeah. VR. Maybe that should have been the mm. VR film. Like that should have been filmed yeah. in yeah, VR. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's a musical from the UK, The Grinning Man, and Andy Serkis captured it in motion capture the whole musical has been captured in motion capture and it hasn't been released it hasn't been released yet but i am like the potential for what that technology could do with live theater is so exciting so when you say andy circus captured it all did he play every oh no role? he he like directed and, or did it. He, he he likes put he put the things on everybody yes. the little balls exactly okay. yeah he directed it and they they recaptured the entire performance uh, with every original cast member in motion capture. And I'm oh, like, when is that coming out, please? Have the, have the, <laughs> and what do the union contracts look like for the vector of a performance? <laughs> Who owns that? That's bizarre. <laughs> yes, that's that going to be interesting. Podcast. The vector data of Planet your Planet Money, next episode, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a whole Planet Money world on uh, filming stage shows. Oh, yeah. It's. <laughs> is this a? This is. <laughs> That's what this entire happened. thing. You're was, right. Yeah. You, you caught me. <laughs> this is the ruse. Yeah. Uh, what stage musicals would you like to see filmed in the future? What what stage musical? All of them. Microface <laughs> <the> musical. <laughs> Definitely that one. Definitely. Was that the one. concert captured on film at all, or just audio? I mean, there's like a bad yeah. Zoom recording of it. You literally uh, cannot see faces. But yeah, we didn't. We just didn't have. We didn't have the. We barely had the capacity to do what we did. So it's a minor miracle that that exists. There's enough to show like our moms if we want, but we would, it's not publishable. Like it's just not. Well, when it's licensed and uh, performed (laughs) by amateur groups and uh, theaters uh, across the country and potentially across the world, we will get a capture. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. 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 Maybe a motion capture. Hey, there we go. Yeah. Andy, are you listening? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Finally, where can we find each of you online? Uh, you can find me at kitgoldstein.com or at Totally Irrelevant Productions, which is the name of my production company that hosts Paper Kite Arts, my um, my teaching company. So yeah, you can find me and they both link to each other. Find me there. And you can find me uh, co-hosting Planet Money. So in every like third podcast that we release working on those uh and then i'm all over twitter doing customer service for the comic (laughs) book that is it took a year to release uh 
That is mostly my <laughs> online yeah, presence. Think, at the moment. Oh, yes. But and yeah, if you would like a copy of uh, the dig- a digital copy of some of the sheet music from Microface, if you sign up for my newsletter on my website, I'm going to be sending out copy for one of the songs uh, when the podcast is released. So um, yeah, come and sign up. I'm also on all the Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff as well. <laughs> um, and I will have links to all of that in the Thank show you. notes. Thank you. Thank you both so much for your time today. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> it's been so nice talking you. to you today. Yeah. To finish up today's episode, we have a demo from Microface the Musical written by Kit Goldstein Grant. I can whisper softly and you hear it all around. I can play a bass that rumbles, rumbles through the ground. Throw my voice and tell those robbers, hands up in the air. They run the other way and then I catch them in my snare. It's time for Microface. It's time for Microface. The sonic superhero that the world will soon embrace with this invention I could spread omnidirectional good. Set my levels high and hear the misbehaviors yelp. Soon the FBI and cops are calling me for help. As the villains think their vicious planning is complete, I send a wave of sound so loud it knocks them off their feet. It's time for microface. It's time for microface. With macro and micro crimes, you bet I'm always on the case. With this invention, I could spread omnidirectional good. It's time for microface. It's time for microface. My panning and compression leaves the villains in disgrace. With this invention, I could spread omnidirectional good. Get ready for microphones. The Filmed Live Musicals podcast is created and edited by your host, Louisa Lyons. With thanks to our wonderful patrons, Josh Brandon, Geraldine Brewer, Belinda Broido, Elliot Charles, Gillian Dos Santos, Rachel Esteban, Mercedes Esteban Lyons, David Jones, James T. Lane, Heather Madrone, Alison Matthews, Al Monaco, David Negrin, Amy Penn, Gerald Piper, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, Joe Telliston, and Beck Twist for financially supporting the site. FilmedLiveMusicals.com is the most comprehensive list of film stage musicals. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you would like early access to this very podcast, early access to site content, the full weekly newsletter with info on upcoming streams, and exclusive access to the streaming calendar, become a Filmed Live Musicals patron for as little as $3 a month. And if you're outside the US, you can sign up in your local currency. Visit filmedlivemusicals.com to learn more. If you like what you hear, please leave a review in your podcast app. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks for listening.